We are starting the 18th chapter of Ilkhot Ishrut. This chapter is going to deal with the rights that a woman, God forbid, who becomes a widow gets under the Ketubah. <clears throat> and it's part of the Mezonot right, as you might remember, but it's one of the rights that is Midrabanan in the 10 rights under the Ketubah. Almanan is zonet yorshin kol zeman ketubata. So the, the widow is entitled to be nourished, to be to be supported from the assets of the state, in other words, taking away something from the other heirs, until such time as she decides to go and redeem her ketubah. But the moment that she goes and claims her ketubah, which is a large lump sum of money, from the Beddin, she stops having any mezonot. So too, if she didn't claim the ketubah for herself, but she sold it to another, or she used it as security for something, or she used it as a potiki, which is a specific security, which means you get a loan and you and, 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 and you attach it to a specific asset. You say this asset is, has first priority to, to be claimed against this loan. That's what apotiki means. Po here with this asset, you'll be able to redeem your 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 debt, your loan. Whether she did this in front of an expert or just any bedin, and whether she did this uh, when her husband was alive or when her husband had already passed. This kind of cuts, you have to imagine that this cuts the relationship between her and the family, and she's no longer supported by the heirs. Two more things. If she only sells partially the ketubah, she still has mezonot. And number two, the moment that she becomes arusa, the moment that she enters into kiddushim with a new husband, that also severs the relationship between her and the other and the other Yerusha. And she's no longer entitled for, uh, for to mezonot from her um, from her deceased husband. Not only does she get food from the assets of the deceased husband, but she also gets clothing and also a place to live. She's not entitled to choose what kind of food she wants. She can't say, today I want to eat in this restaurant, today I want to eat in that restaurant. But she is entitled to keep and to choose that the assets that are assigned to her to give her a proper residence and to give her proper clothing be the same asset she's used to from before. So she's entitled to live in the same house and to use the same chattels that, that she used to use and clothing that she used to wear. And likewise with servants that used to serve her before. However, if this one house that she used to live in before her husband died breaks down, the Yorshim are not obligated to rebuild it. They can choose to give her another place. So too, if she says, you know what, I want to pay for the renovations myself, they don't need to, to let her. They can tell her, no, we actually prefer you to live in this other apartment. She's also not allowed to prevent it from breaking down or to do some repairs that, again, prevent uh, give it some longevity. 
אלא תשב בו כמו שהוא, או תצא. Rather she has to take it as is, or she doesn't get it. In other words, her right to choose this specific asset is specifically without changing this asset in any way, but as she gets it from her husband. ויורשים שמכרו מדור אלמנה לא עשו כלום. And if the יורשים go ahead and they try to sell that house which the אלמנה is living in, then that transaction is not valid, is void, uh, and it's as if they didn't do anything because it's not really theirs. הלכה ג' נפל הבית או שלא היה לבעלה בית אלא בשכר, if the house fell down, as we said before, or if uh, he didn't have any house to leave, her husband, but he was rather renting, נותנים לה מדור לפי כבודה, then the, the heirs have to give her a residence according to her status. וכן מזונותיה ואוכסותה כפי כבודה, so to the food that she gets and the clothing that she gets has to be according to her status. ואם היה כבוד הבעל הגדול מכבודה, נותנים לה לפי כבודו מפני שעולה עמו ואינה יורדת אפילו לאחר מיתה. And if her husband used to be of a higher status before she got, uh, of the status she had before she got married, then we consider her always to be upgraded in status, never going down in status, and we do it according to the status of the husband, which became her status when she got married. even after the husband dies. הלכה ד', interesting הלכה נאו, ברכת הבית מרובה. Within a household there is abundance. Within a household there is abundance. כיצד? What does it mean? חמישה שהיה מזונות כל אחד מהם קו כשיוכל לבדו. If you have five people that each of them, if they eat in and of their own, they need one קו, which is one measure of, uh, of volume, in order to get satisfied. אם היו חמישתם בבית אחד ואוכלים בעירוב, מספיק להם ארבעת קבין. If they put their food together and they do one dish for all five of them, then they can use four קבין for five people. In other words, they have an efficiency of 20%. These are economies of scale. והוא הדין לשאר צורכי הבית and so too with everything else. לפיכך, אלמנה שאמרה, אני זזה מבית אבי פסקו לי מזונות ותנו לי שם. Therefore, if a widow says, you know what, heirs, I want to go back to live with my family before I, I, I got married to your family member who, to, to, to the deceased. So just feed me and support me while I'm living there. So the Yorshim now can tell her, Yicholim ha-Yorshim, l'omar lah ha-imat etzlenu, yesh lach mezonot, v'im lav, en anu nodnin lach, ila lefi brikat abayit. They are allowed to raise the argument to say, okay, if you stay with us, then we'll feed you The amount that the bed is stipulated is what you should receive. However, if you go and live somewhere else, we are going to deduct from that amount, to reduce from that amount what's estimated to be the efficiency for, uh, by reason of you living and sharing the meals with other people. However, if the reason for her not to want to live with them is because she's young and they are young and it wouldn't be appropriate for young people people who are not married to one another to live within the same house, then the, the heirs can no longer raise this argument. She has a sufficient reason to, to want to leave, and they have to feed her as if she had stayed with them. And anything she leaves over of mezonot and of kesut that she doesn't use, that goes back to the estate, and it's shared between the heirs. אלמנה שחלתה, אם צריכה לרפואה שאין לה קצבה הרזוק עם זונות ויורשין חייבים בה. 
when a widow becomes ill, if this illness is a chronic illness, something that she'll need for an indefinite amount of time, constant support, a constant medicine, for example, chronic pains or something like that. So that's considered as if it were part of Mezonot and the Yerushim are obligated to include it within her budget. However, if it's a one-time sickness that needs a lump sum to get cured from, then this is not part of the Mezonot, it's not part of uh, supporting the, her, of constant support, and rather it's something that she has to pay for, and if she really needs the money, she should go and claim her ketubah, thereby stopping the Mezonot right. <coughs> If the widow, God forbid, becomes captured, becomes a captive, unlike the obligation the husband had to go and free her, the Yorshim don't have that obligation to free her. And even if she was captured while her husband was alive, and he would have had to, to save her, but then her husband dies, that obligation doesn't go, doesn't pass over to the to the Yorushim. Rather, she has to use her own assets or she could claim then the Ketubah and use that money to, to redeem herself. If this widow dies, then the, the heir become Hayavim, excuse me, to bury her, like the husband, that obligation does pass on to the estate. However, if she took the oath of Shavuat Almana, and this is from uh, chapter 16, And then she died. Then the Yorshim are allowed to inherit her ketubah, like the Yorshim are allowed to. And then they have to, to bury her. But not the heirs of the husband. In other words, she severed, by Shavuat Ramana, she severed the relationship and she now has her own heirs. And now she uh, they take care of her as well. Any income that she gets while she's being supported by the Yorshim, the Yorshim are entitled to it, but they are not allowed to tell her, okay, just feed yourself, go and support yourself, work, you can keep your own salary, but we are not going to feed you. They are not allowed to say that, but she is allowed to claim that, that, that she wants this, that she wants to, instead of being fed by the Yorshim, to go and work for herself. And everything that a wife is expected to do for her husband, uh, taking care of the house, etc., the, the almana should do for the yoshim, for the heirs. And the heirs, by the way, normally <coughs> are children from the same husband could be from the same wife, but could be from another wife or parents of the husband that used to live with them. So she should still, she should now take care of them while she's getting mezonot. 
other than those tasks that are specified as being intimate tasks that a woman does for her husband, and those are mezikata kos, serving or diluting wine, hatsa'ata mita, which is um, setting up the bed, which is a suggestive kind of gesture, and also washing their face, feet, and and uh, and and uh, hands, which is also sort of intimate. By the way, the three things are also what's called harhakot, that a wife who is nidda cannot do for her husband. Harhachet, mesiat halmana ufelod nechasim sheichnis alabar leatzmah ven layoresh bahem kelum. Unlike the husband, any and unlike the income, anything that the almana finds while she's in this state, it's hers. And so too, the dividends and the and the, the gains that she gets on the principle that she brought to the Baal, that she brought uh, when she got married, this is for her, and the Yorshim don't get anything of that. And the actual assets that she brought as a Nedunya, and we explain what Nedunya is before, she could take them without even having to swear because they were always her, hers. Then Yorshim Bahen, if she had died before, the husband would have taken them, but the Yorshim of the husband don't take them. Then Yorshim Bahen, Din Ba'olam, Ela Imken Otiru Behaya Baal, Vayunixes on Barzersham Otala Baal. So the Yorshim don't have any claim on them unless this Nechasim were were uh, left by her while the husband was still alive. In other words, she, she preceded him, or or if if there was some kind of, uh, while the husband was alive, there was some gains in which, and, and they were nichset som barzel, nichset som barzel, as you might recall, is nichasim, the value of which is frozen, and then the Baal guarantees that he'll give back to the wife just that value, but any increase or decrease, he'll either keep or or, or make the, the wife whole for it. So then the motar would have been the Baal, and therefore it goes to the heirs. But only what happened during the life of the Baal, not after. And if the almana dies without Shavuah, without Shavuah almana, then the her, her Yorshim are the ones who get the Nedunya, even if this is Nikhseh Sombarzel, and the excess of Nikhseh Sombarzel, any gains goes to the Yorshim of the Baal, of the husband. Interesting and very sort of not intuitive halakha. If the widow decides to take possession of one of the assets of the estate as some sort of like a collateral to make sure that she's being fed her mezonot. So she takes let's say, a whole loaf of gold, which is worth much more than the mezonot that she'll ever be entitled to. So if she already took it, the Yorshim cannot take it from her in the Beddin, and rather she can offset the obligation of mezonot from this asset over time. And the Beddin is going to be calculating how much of this asset she is depreciating by by the mezonot obligation that 
would otherwise be imposed upon the regime. This is, by the way, only Metaltelim, not Mekarkaot. So too, if she had done this with respect to her ketubah while her husband was alive, similar situation, and then the husband dies, she can keep those assets and take the mezonot from them. However, if after he died, she took the same loaf of gold, but she took it as a, a security for a ketubah, not for her mezonot, then these are two separate issues and she can no longer offset Mezonot from this. By the way, extremely, extremely weird division of Halachot in the printed version. If you didn't have the, if I didn't have the Macbilly edition here, this would make absolutely no sense. Um, because right now the halacha would stop, but obviously it should continue as we have it here. So although the geonim made the tekana that the ketubah and everything that's under the ketubah should be paid from chattels, from mitaltelim, and therefore the almana can be supported from the mitaltelim, even if she didn't, even if she didn't go ahead and and uh, and take possession of any of them. In other words, the bedin can uh, coerce the sale of some of these mitaltelim. If the husband did leave some mitaltelim, and she didn't go ahead and, and take possession of any of them, the Yorshim are allowed to take possession of them and to convert them to their ownership, and then they become obligated as a debt to give her mezonot. And she's not entitled to, to demand that some mitaltalim be left as security in, with a bedin so that she is fed. And even if, sorry, and, and even if the husband had stipulated so explicitly in the ketubah that my dear, I'm marrying you, and the mezonot that I owe you here are going to be from Italtalim specifically. She still is not entitled to demand that this Italtalim be set aside from the estate and the heirs can take them. And this is what Albedin should do, says Arambam. Alachayud Gima now differs with Karkaot. However, if the husband left, left uh, no metaltelim, but he left land, then she can coerce the Bedin to, 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 to issue an injunction to, to forbid the sale of this land. However, if they already sold it, she doesn't have the legal power to go and take it from the buyers because the, the right that she has and the banot that they have under the ketubah is only from assets that don't have any other claim on them, which is called nechasim shena meshuabadim. And now, right now, they have another owner. Obviously, they have another claim. She can't go and take anything from these assets anymore. Halachayot dalet. High-class problem. Hiniyach nashim rabot. 
a man who was married to several wives, even though he had married one after the other, and, and then he died, obviously, we do not say first in right, first in time, first in right, but they all have the same claim of mezonot, even if some of them were married after others. If a widow now has to be married by a yavam, so the the widow died and her husband had no children from her uh, had no children period and then now her husband's brother is becomes a yavam and he needs to decide if to marry her or to do halisa during the first 3 months after the husband dies while she is yavama she is still supported by the heirs from the assets of the deceased why is that? Because we are not sure yet if she's a Yivama or not, because she could be pregnant, and we wouldn't know that, that she's not pregnant until three months have passed, in which case we can sort of know if she's pregnant from her deceased husband or not. So too, if she had a, a, a noticeable pregnancy, or if everyone knew that she was pregnant after after the before the husband died, then she continues being fed by the uh, the yorshim until she has until she has a baby. If this baby is viable, is going to survive, it means she's not a yevama. She becomes an almana and she's fed by the yorshim like every other woman. If after three months uh, that she was pregnant, she stops being pregnant, she miscarries, or she has a stillbirth, um, then she no longer is uh, is supported by the heirs, not from the Baal, but also she... <laughs> cannot go and claim now from the Yavam because she's she's a little bit in between because right now at this point in time we don't know if she's going to have Yibum or Halisa she still is a Yavama, she has a Zika and rather she what she has to do right now is to accelerate the process and go and demand a yes or no answer from the Yavam if he's going to do Yibum or Halisa Tetzayim if she goes and demands that the Yavam gets the decision of, of, uh, of Yibum Halisa, and then the Yavam went to the Bedin, he heard the demand, and then he disappears. He either runs away, or he's sick, or he goes to a different country. That demand was enough to trigger the Yavam's obligation to feed her, to support her, and therefore uh, the Bed-Din now goes into his asses and starts supporting her from that moment on. However, if she became a Yavama to a minor, then she she's not entitled to be supported until the minor becomes older, and then he's treated like every other Yavam. 
מי שייחד קרקע לאשתו בשעת מיטה למזונותיה, if someone before he died, he said, okay, this land that I have, that's the one that I want to be used for supporting my wife's mezonot. ואמר, יהיה מקום פלוני למזונות, הרי ריבה לה המזונות. ואם היה שכרו פחות ממזונות הראויים, לה נותן את השאר משאר נכסים. ואם היה שכרו יותר מן הראוי, לה נותן את הכל. So if he said, I want the income from this land to support her, then she can only win from this situation. Why? Because if it's more than what she deserves, she'll get the whole amount, because it's specified, and if it's less than what she deserves, she'll get that amount, and she'll get whatever is necessary to make her up from any other asset. אבל אם אמר לה יהיה מקום פלוני במזונות ושתקה, if he says instead of יהיה מקום פלוני למזונות, instead of let this place be for מזונות, he says let this place be מזונות, or instead of מזונות, and she heard that and she sort of agreed by not protesting, אין לה אלא פדות אותו מקום בלבד, then that's more specific and she had agreed now to the risk of getting less than what she deserves from that place, and she has to live with that decision. because now he determined the exact amount of mezonot that she's going to get and she agreed. הלכה יוטט. אלמנה שבאה לבדין לתבוע מזונות, when a widow comes to the בדין to demand her מזונות, יש מי שהודה שפוסקים לה מזונות ומשביעים אותה. Some people say we just determine how many מזונות she deserves without making her take any oath. ואין ראוי לסמוך על הוראה זו, מפני שנתחלף לו הדבר באישה שלך בעלה למדינת הים. And it's not appropriate to rely on this opinion because this opinion is wrong, and the reason it's wrong is because they got confused with the dean that of a woman whose husband goes to מדינת הים, in which case we do give her מזונות without making her take any oath. ורבותיי הורו שאין לה מזונות מבדין עד שתישבע, שהרי זו באה להיפרע מנכסי יתומים. וכל הנפלא מנכסי יתומים לא ייפרע אלא בשבועה. However, my rabbis, הרמב״ם says, have taught what הרמב״ם agrees with, it seems, that she needs to take an oath, that she has no מזונות from anywhere else, because right now in this situation she's trying to deprive the יתומים from their inheritance, and we have a rule We may not deprive Yetomim from their inheritance, even though, and Yetomim is not that we are more Mahmir with them, we, are, we should be more Mekel with them because they don't own it yet. Even though they don't own it yet, but Chachamim wanted to protect them, and they protected them by having anyone who wants to claim anything against the estate to have to take an oath. If this was someone who owned the, the assets, then a Shavuah wouldn't be enough. But Nikhsei Yetomim, Although you would think you wouldn't even need Shavua, you do need a Shavua for this. Haravam says, that's what I think is the right way, and this is a, the appropriate way to, to, um, to decide. <clears throat> One second. אלמנה שבאה לבית דין לתבוע מזונות, משביעים אותה בתחילה ומוכרים בלא הכרזה ונותנים לה מזונות. When the widow comes to the bed to demand מזונות, they, they, they make her swear, like I'm just saying in the last halacha, 
and then they sell any assets without having to liot machrizim to announce it and the reason you'd announce it is to allow other claimants to come and present their conflicting arguments but you don't even need that it's a it's a uh, summary judgment so too, this can be done not only by a bedin of experts, but by any bedin without a chaza. So too, if she didn't even go to the bedin, but she took assets and sold them and started supporting herself, that's also valid and those transactions are respected. And then, although we said she needs a Shavua, that's when she comes to Bedin. If she does it by herself, she wouldn't have taken an oath. But then when the when the Yoshim, when the, the orphans come to ask her uh, to, to swear, she has to then take an oath. Now, you wouldn't sell the entire estate, just from Mezanot. How much can be sold for Mezonot. So when you sell assets to satisfy the obligation of Mezonot, you only do it for what's necessary for a period of six months, not more than this. And also, you sell it in a way that the, the consideration is being repaid to her in installments, of 30 days, you don't want her to have a lump sum of six months worth of food. And then she comes and does it again if she needs after the six months. She hasn't taken her ketubah yet and hasn't remarried. And she continues like that forever and ever. Until she gets from the nechasim uh, just enough money to get her ketubah. And then she claims her ketuban and she leaves and, uh, and she leaves the state now at zero dollars. Um, just pay attention how protective this was of widows. Back in the day, a widow was literally entitled to the entire estate, but the, the condition was that she would take it slowly, slowly as mezonot and, and kesut and mador. If a widow takes Mezonot from the Bedin, the Bedin is not going to scrutinize her to see if she has any other income. However, when the heirs come, they can scrutinize her. If they can prove that she has any other income, they can offset that and take it for themselves. If not, then they have nothing. They have no claim. However, Rambam says, this is only when the heirs were adults, but if the heirs are minors, the Bedin should scrutinize and should take the fill the shoes of these Yetomim, of these minor heirs, and scrutinize her income and see if she has any income that should offset the Mezonot. Halachakav Gimal. 
And Almana that cannot show her ketubah, she cannot produce her ketubah, she gets no mezanot. Because we don't know, maybe the reason she cannot produce it is because she sold it somewhere or she used it as a security. Or she forgave it. And even though this argument is not raised by the other claimant, by the Yoresh, the Bedin themselves should bring this argument up, so long as she doesn't bring the Ketubah. And they tell her, okay, produce your Ketubah, do the Shavuat Almana, and then take the Mezanot. Unless they live in a community where Ketubot are not necessarily written. A woman that went with her husband abroad and then she came back and she says, during our trip, my husband has died. Rasat So she's treated like any other widow and if she wants, she can get mezanot. If she wants, she claims her ketubah. If she says, however, my husband divorced me while we were away, we don't believe her, but she gets to get mezonot up to the amount of her ketubah. Why? Because if she's still married, she would still be entitled to mezonot. And she had indeed been divorced, then she should be entitled to a ketubah. Because she's producing a ketubah and showing that. Therefore, she's entitled to take mezanot up to her ketubah, and then she has to go. A woman who has a safek gerushin, as we are going to see in the gerushin, some gerushin or gerushin is safek only, and then her husband dies, so we don't know if she is a widower, a widow, or or a or a divorcee. So she's safek now, so she cannot get mezonot because maybe she is a divorcee and she wouldn't get mezonot, and because of this safek. We cannot, we don't have enough of a of a claim to deprive the Yerushim from their estate. However, so long as she's married, if she is Safek Megoreshet, she's entitled to Mezonot because the default at that moment is that she gets Mezonot unless we are sure that she was divorced. So the doubt here actually helps her in that she's not in that she doesn't stop receiving mezonot because we don't know that she's divorced and for all we know, she's still married. When an almana, whether it's a poor one that manages to, to live off uh, whatever she has for two years without claiming for mezonot, were a rich one for three years without claiming from Mezonot, at that moment, at that moment in time, it's like a statute of limitations, and she no longer has Mezonot. Obviously, think of 
uh, the other side and uh, the the Yetamim, the, the Yorshim, should know that at some point they can stop worrying about having to save stuff for Mizanot, for, for the Tzalmanah. And even if she comes in the middle of this time and she does start having mezonot, she can never claim back pay. She can never claim mezonot for the time that in which she didn't claim. And if it's less than this time of two years for a poor one and three years for a rich one, and the difference, by the way, is because the rich one, we assume, she can live off her own assets for three years. So the fact that she's not coming and claiming is not because she decided not to claim it or not, but rather because she has other assets that are feeding her for this time. So if she if she spent less than this time, even one day before the statute of limitations expires, she can't come and take the, the Amazon even for... Um, for the for the years that have passed. Just one second. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Let me re-explain al-Hakafvav. The woman can always come and claim it or not. If she claims it after two years or three years, depending on her status, then she only starts having mezonot from that moment and on, she doesn't get back pay. However, if she claims it within this time period, then not only does she start having mezonot from now, but she also gets back pay. So the almana never actually gives up mezonot just by, uh, by, by spending three years without coming to the Bedin. She can still come and claim it after five years, and from that moment and on she gets mezonot, she just doesn't get for the five years that passed. Now there is an argument. He says, she says, she comes and claims Mezonot, and then the, the Yerushim said, say, we gave to her, and she says, no, I didn't receive anything. If she hasn't yet, so, so the situation is the following. She's coming, let's say she's Ashira. She's coming two and a half years later. And she's saying that she wants two and a half years of Mezonot. The regime say, you got it. You already got it. And she says, no, I didn't receive anything. So now we look at her. Did she already get married? In which case she no longer gets Mezonot. If so, the burden of proof is on her. Did she not yet get remarried? In which case, she would still continue getting mezanot. If so, the burden of proof is on the Yorshim to prove that their facts are right. Halacha kafhet. Last halacha of the chapter. Din tosefet ketubah kedin ha'ikar. The the addition of the excess of the ketubah, the excess over the 200 zuz, is just like the first 200. 
הרי זו כמי שטבעה מקצת העיקר והניחה מקצת, וכל המוחלת או המוחלת איתה מכרה מוחלה תוספת עם העיקר, ששניהם כתובה שמם בכל מקום. We had started the chapter saying that the moment that she claims the ketuba or sells it or somehow transfer it to someone else as a security or otherwise, she loses mezonot. But we also said that if she does it only partially, she continues getting mezonot. So what if this woman has 200 zuzim of the aikar and a thousand zuzim tosefet, and then she sold 500 zuzim from her ketuba? Do we say the 500 were from the aikar? Do we say they were from the Tosefet? What do we say? So Rambam says, we treat them both the same, and the 500 are going to be prorated, so it's as if she gave a little bit of the 1,000 and a little bit of the 200. And therefore, she's now only partially redeemed, and she continues getting Mezonot. However, if a woman is Mochelet Stam, or Mochelet Stam, if she sells her Ketubah Stam, or she says to her husband, my dear husband, I hereby wave my ketubah stam. For the same reason, we see the whole ketubah as one unit, the tosefet and the aikar, and the entire thing gets the same status, either of machur or of mahul. Baruch Adonai le'olam. Amen ve'amen.